Well, I'm talking to Shannon Bacon, who is running for Supreme Court for a position that she's already in. Welcome to Women's Focus. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. Well, you've been a judge for a long time, it seems. So tell me a little bit about your background. Sure. I was appointed to be a trial court judge in Albuquerque in 2010 after being in private practice for about 12 or 13 years. I'm at the district court where I oversaw a really busy trial docket for almost a decade. Um, I was in the civil division. I presided over anything from auto accidents to foreclosures, election cases, constitutional questions, civil rights cases. It runs a really broad spectrum in the civil division in Bernalillo County. And while I was there, I was also the presiding judge in the civil division. Yes, so I had a leadership leadership role there, and I was in that position for about eight years. And I had the great fortune and honor to be appointed to the Supreme Court by Governor Lujan Grisham in January of 2019. Well, I was kind of wondering why you wanted to be a judge. You were in private practice before, I think, and I was. Um, it's not as though you make a lot of money. No, it, you 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 know have to make choices in life, just like you do in a, with a bunch of different things. And as I started thinking, you know, kind of long term in private practice, I was a partner in my law firm. I had achieved those kinds of you know benchmarks for a lawyer. But I wanted to do something that helped my community and finally settled on the way for me to do that, to engage in public service that best suited my personality and hopefully my talents was to seek appointment to the judiciary. And I had, you know, super lucky then and it happened and, you know, that kind of idea really held true for me. I was able to apply my legal skills in moving a docket and, you know, addressing disputes between companies and people and the state. Um, But you can also do a lot to help just everyday people in their lives as a judge. And I think a lot of people don't know that. No, I don't think so. I think I appeared before you when you were in Bernalillo County, but I can't remember why. I can't either, but I think you're right. <laughs> but I, it's I good that we can't remember. You making things very clear what I was supposed to do, and, and well, you're very grateful for that. <laughs> I, well, you're very kind. I can't remember why that happened. So I can understand people wanting judges to be clear and to be mm-hmm. and to, um, make things clear. I think probably that's mm-hmm. the most. Because when you're in, when you go to court, you're nervous and um, Absolutely. it's not something that you've done before, so you don't understand what's happening. It can be one of the most, I think, stressful experiences for anybody is having to go through a court process, whether it's as a, on the criminal side as a defendant or as a victim or as a litigant in a civil case where you're worried about whether you're going to have custody of children or a roof over your head. Well, I can see that and how that would be helpful, but 
I can't see how it would sort of keep you going for all those years. You know, it would seem to me that it would it would just get sort of old after a while. You know, it's so interesting. I've I've heard that before from people, but every case is new and different. And I think that's what keeps the job really interesting is no two cases look alike. You know, certainly certain categories of cases bear similarity. But the facts that come before you and how they're developed and, you know, seeing really good lawyering and new lawyers who are developing their skills, mm. um, all of that keeps, I to me, it keeps it all very interesting. Well, that would be interesting, helping new lawyers mm-hmm. get used to the court and things like that. What about writing opinions? How do you feel about that? It takes me back to um, a lot of what I did in private practice. As a district court judge, you're making decisions very quickly. You know, you've got to keep the case moving, and you're making decisions with the best preparation you can give to it. But you don't get to write a lot. But as a private practitioner, I not only tried cases, but I had an appellate practice. And so I was accustomed to having the time to sit and think and try and write something that was then as a lawyer persuasive, but also simple. So now I get to use those skills again and try and write in a way that is clear to the court, it's clear to the lawyers, but it's also clear to the public. And And also since you'll be going down in history. Yeah, I mean, your name is on everything that you do. You sign well, yes. your name on everything that you write. Yeah, so that part is, is really engaging. It's very challenging. Um, writing is re- in a clear way is really hard work. Let's talk about women because we're yeah. getting more women on the Supreme Court. And mm-hmm. I, I know another way that I know you is by, is through an organization that works to get women elected to office, mm-hmm. to all different offices. Emerge, whom we talked to on Women's Focus. So we're getting to the point, I think, where it's not out of the ordinary to have women in court or as justices. That's that's true. I think we've – I recently looked at statistics for the New New Mexico judiciary, and we have real parity in terms of gender in the courts, so we've done a good job of creating that kind of balance and representation. I think the real work now is making sure that we have a more diverse racial and ethnic makeup, Mm -hmm. and so being sure that there is a path and a pipeline for women of color to join the judiciary, I think is the next kind of big step in diversifying the judiciary. Okay, so you mean getting into the place where they start to become judges because obviously mm-hmm. you don't go right to Supreme Court. So. Right, right. But encouraging and mentoring, you know, African-American women, Native women, Hispanic women in a way that they think, you know, maybe I'd like to be a judge. Mm-hmm. And being sure that the process of nomination and selection is fair and representative of everyone in our community. What about clerks? Do we have women as clerks? As law clerks? Yes. Um, we do. 
Yeah, working with the judges. Yeah, so at the both the Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court, each judge or justice can hire two law clerks. Most frequently, they're coming right out of law school, but there are a few kind of what we call more senior or long-term clerks. And there's a good mix there between men and women as well. Where it falls short is racial and ethnic diversity. Mm. Okay. And so we've recently, just this year at the Supreme Court, started a diversity clerkship program that has somebody come in in their, the summer before their third year of law school and have a robust experience at the appellate court. And there's a stipend attached to that so that people can pay their bills along the way. And also train those um, law students how to navigate applying for clerkships mm-hmm. and coming out of that experience with a strong writing sample, which is really important when you're applying to be a law clerk. Oh, okay. So we, we've just finished the interviews for that diversity clerkship program. And um, we're, I'm really excited to see uh, who comes on board. And I'm really looking forward to that mentorship process uh, this summer. And how many participants would there be? I think our first year is going to be about six. We've got to, you know, establish the funding and get all of that kind of buy-in. We had 17 applicants, largely from University of New Mexico, but we had some out-of-state applicants as well. And that group of 17 has been um, narrowed down now, and I think the the committee that is um, kind of putting all of those pieces together is in the process of whittling down the final the final folks that we'll make offers to. Okay. Do you think that it's it makes a change having women on the court on the Supreme Court? I Does do. It make a difference? Um, I think having diversity of experience diversity of of, um, points of view, different life backgrounds, creates a more holistic court. It's not all individuals who have similar life experiences and backgrounds making decisions. And so that kind of diversity on the Supreme Court, Court of Appeals, the trial court level, I think is really important. Do you think women are more sympathetic? That's a hard question. Maybe they're um, because more I, difficult. <laughs> you know, I think I I know lots of women that are sympathetic, but I also know lots of men that are sympathetic. And, I, and maybe sympathetic is the wrong word. I think the word I really think of is empath- empathetic. Okay. Um, but, you know, you want – people who've had the experience of being a woman in an all-male world or being a parent or being a single parent, whether you're a a man or a woman. Um, You know, you just want that diversity of life experience because that helps us navigate the facts and the litigants that come before us in a much more compassionate way. Okay. One of the questions that I really liked was, who were you inspired by? So let me ask you that question for our listeners. Sure. There, there's a, a pretty long list, but I'll try and I'll do um, some lo- a couple of local people, and then I'll do you know kind of the U.S. Supreme Court. 
Um, so locally, judges that I've had the great fortune to work with over the years that I really admire and take certain aspect, aspects or attributes of them and try and weave them into my own way of doing things. A good example of that is Sarah Singleton. Mm-hmm. She was a district court judge up in Santa Fe, and she was one of the hardest working judges um, you'll ever encounter and just incredibly smart, really clear in her communication. And those are, you know, all really good attributes for a judge. Another judge um, at the trial court level that I really admired was is Ted Baca. He was the chief judge in the second judicial district when I first became a judge. And he was really smart, moved his docket, but also was able to kind of navigate contentious and complicated personalities um, with a really calm demeanor in a way that I really want to to emulate. And then people always look to the U.S. Supreme Court. Who do you like on the U.S. Supreme Court? And there's there's a lot of people to um, look up to there. But one of the people that I really think brings something unique to the table is Justice Sonia Sotomayor. We don't have... Yeah, we don't have many U.S. Supreme Court justices that actually were an in-the-trench lawyer. Oh. You know, tried cases in front of a jury. And that's her background. She came from kind of walking the walk of a lawyer like so many of us do before we become judges. And I think that brings that experience of being a litigator representing clients that's a really important perspective to have on the U.S. Supreme Court and on the state Supreme Court. We have lots of academics or individuals who've only represented the government on the U.S. Supreme Court. So I really appreciate that about Justice Sotomayor. That, and she also always has an eye towards access to justice issues, making sure that people have representation in civil cases, and that's something that's very near and dear to my heart as well. Well, that's interesting. I wonder, what do you think about the justice system in New Mexico as opposed to other states? I I know that we always have a problem with paying judges enough. Mm -hmm. How do we stack up next to other states? Well, in terms of, you know, if you're just looking like a judge salary, we're usually dead last for for that uh, in well, that I didn't scale. Mean, I didn't mean salaries. I meant in okay, in, in um, just in general. Yeah, you know, I think you know New Mexico always has challenges because of our level of poverty in New Mexico, and poverty breeds all kinds of things, including crime. But in terms of how our you know, laws, our criminal laws stack up against other states and how judges apply the facts to the law and sentence people and things like that. I think we stack up really well oh. against other states. If if there was a state out there that had really figured out a different way of doing things, we'd certainly look at it. But everybody's 
criminal legal system, a set of laws that govern, you know, criminal conduct are all really similar. I think we could use more judges to help tackle just the number of people that are brought to court on criminal charges so that that system moved more quickly. But statute to statute type of comparison or how judges approach handling those jury trials and sentencing individuals that are convicted of crimes, it's its pretty uniform across the country. And what about how much respect the judicial system is held in? Are there differences in that? I, I think there are some differences. Certainly, we, we're not, New Mexico's not unique in the challenges that, that, that judiciaries face. But I think how you, how you pay your judges and how many judges you have assigned to any given number of cases and the resources that you give the judiciary to do the multitude of things they're called upon to do, there are real differences state to state in that regard. And I do think that has to do with both respect for the judiciary and also an understanding that the judiciary is a third branch of government. We're not an agency. Yes, that's important. Yeah, and not that agencies aren't critically important, but that's, that we're a separate branch and the separation of powers between the executive, legislature, and judiciary really need to be, that, that separation really needs to be respected. Well, that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing your ideas. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah. I've been talking to Shannon Bacon, and she will be running in this election, running for Supreme Court to retain her seat.